Welcome back to Shit Chats. Today's episode is a conversation with Mianjin-based tattoo artist Taylor Jane Willow. You can find her on Instagram at Psychic Mama Tattoos. She tattoos at Chalice Tattoo Company in Paddington, and her style is self-described as psychedelic traditional. Um, thank you for coming in. Um, really no appreciate problem. it. So I kind of I wanted to start off with talking about like your you know, lead up to your tattooing and kind of how you got into the industry and stuff like that. Cause I've known, I know I've like spoken about it with you a bit during like our appointments and stuff, but I kind of wanted to like unpack that. If yeah. It's a possibility. Totally. Totally. Um, so, yeah, sorry. I'll let you, you go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for so having me what, by the way. No problem. What, kind of led you to get into tattooing and did you kind of have like a background growing up in art and things like that uh yeah definitely I was always kind of you know creatively inclined I spent a lot of time as a child like painting and drawing and knitting and making music and making you know weird plays and stuff like I was just kind of not really um like specific about where I wanted to be creative I just knew that I wanted to make stuff um and that was like kind of the overarching theme um and then I kind of went through high school thinking that okay music is kind of like the thing that I vibe with the most I guess you'd say like I I was um very much like into being a musician and I was kind of like a singer-songwriter Um, and then I went to uni and I did, uh, like a composition and music degree, you know, just kind of like, I don't know, I guess following my nose and being like, okay, well, if, you know, I want to be a musician, then you go and do the things that you need to do to learn the most that you can about the craft. And I'm very glad that I did that, but I kind of got to the end of a degree and was a little bit like... I guess, disillusioned about what it would look like for me making a living full-time in music. Um, And I was living in Sydney and everything is super duper expensive and I was really, really broke. Um, Yeah. And I was, I don't know, still like always drawing and always still making other stuff in my spare time, but it just kind of felt like, oh shit, what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I always was obsessed with being tattooed. Like I remember being a child and like looking at people who were tattooed and thinking, fuck yeah, that's it. <laughs> like mm. I want to look like that one day, you know? Yeah. I often get a lot of people like ask, oh, why, you know, my parents, my dad specifically stuck on the idea that I want to be tattooed because people are tattooed and it's like in but, like, I don't know how to voice it. Like, when I was a little kid and I'd see people who were heavily tattooed, which wasn't very often, um, that in my brain was, like, yes, that is what I want. I want to have tattoos on my body ever since I was little. So I kind of connect to that in the sense that I'm, like, I want tattoos. I don't totally. know what of yet, but I, I'd like, I aspire to have that and that's how I want to present myself through adulthood. So I can completely, like get that where it's like it's not like oh other people have tattoos it's it's just like you see it and you're like I want 
to have pictures on my body. That's how I want to kind of go through. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah, very much agree. I totally had that instinct of like, no matter what, I knew that I was going to be tattooed. And it was kind of like the idea of actually doing tattoos myself almost seemed like, it was like at such a high level, a high tier of what I admired that like I felt like it was not going to be accessible to me in some way, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I just kind of thought like that's so fucking cool, but I could never do that, you know? Yeah. Um, And I don't know. I was just getting tattooed and I had a friend who has been tattooing in Sydney uh, quite a while and he was sort of a mutual friend of my partner. Um, His name's Tom Payne and he makes very – very weird, gross, amazing tattoos um, in Sydney. And, yeah, we were kind of, you know, always friends and, you know, I got tattooed by him a bunch and I got to this point where, uh, you know, I was super-duper broke and not really knowing what to do and, um, yeah, he actually called my partner and was like, hey, man, like, what are you doing for work right now? Um, The shop that I work at, it's, like, quite a busy street shop in Newtown um, we need a new counter person, new counter hand. Um, would you like to do it? And my partner luckily (laughs) said, I would be terrible at that job. Um, you know, I would love to, but I'm already kind of doing my own thing with work, but Taylor really needs a job. Um, and I remember like Tom kind of being a bit like, yeah, Taylor, I don't know. Really? You reckon she'd be okay at it? Like, um, And I just remember hearing about it and being like, fuck yes, I will give up everything in my life to do that job. That sounds like the best thing ever, you know? So you kind Um, of got into the shop through just like working as a counter person? Completely. So I worked on the counter for many years at a busy street shop in Newtown and uh, it was like kind of a dual um, shop. There was like a piercing element to the shop and also a tattoo element to the shop. Um, and as the counter hand, you'd be like kind of the person in between that and the customers. So you'd be, you know, running jewelry upstairs and, you know, uh, making sure that people had filled out their consent forms, helping people with tattoo designs, um, helping assign them to the correct artist. And, you know, all the while you've got, you know, some cranky piercers and some cranky tattooers, like also yelling at you to, you know, make sure the wash cups are full and make sure, you know, there's enough blueies upstairs like it was a really um intense and amazing introduction into the world of tattoo and I it was a fucking wild time in my life I won't get you know I won't lie to you um but it just made me so obsessed with not only tattooing but the idea of a really old school cornerstone tattoo shop um and being part of that was yeah yeah, a, a big deal to me. And did it, like, give a little bit more sort of framework for how you understood the industry versus, like, as a client moving into the space of being a tattoo artist, I suppose? Completely. It absolutely changed my life. Um, in many ways, uh, I guess the f- most important of which was that I could see tattoos from the perspective of tattooers. Um, it was kind of like a weird sort of study, you know, because I wasn't really thrust into the immediate 
uh, task of doing them myself, but I was still watching people draw every day, watching people freak out if they were having a quiet week, watching people, you know, reference, watching them get books out of the shelf and, you know, read about ancient Maori tattooing or reading about, uh, you know, everything that Ed Hardy talked about in the Tattoo Time magazines, you know, like I got to see how this is not like a job it's a full-on lifestyle that you commit yourself to. And I guess through, you know, there was an incredible library at this particular shop. Um, uh, It had a lot of amazing history in it. And I was not only able to hear that history through the tattooers that I was working with, but also I was able to completely nerd out, which I love to do, and, um, you know, do a lot of reading and realise that this is, a, you know, I guess, a culture that has been part of humankind since humans have been around. And Mm. it made me, it it gave me a lot more respect for like, okay, if you're going to tell people that you're going to do this, it's not going to be like an off the cuff, like, yeah, I think I'm going to try tattooing. It's going to be like, keep it a secret for two years. (laughs) And then if you still want to do it in two years and you've you've been able to keep it a secret and like, do your drawing, do your reading, do your research, um, you know, then then I, I personally felt like that was what I needed to do to feel like I wasn't disrespecting tattooing itself because mm. regardless of, you know, whether or not I became a tattooer, like I said before, I always wanted to have tattoos and I do yeah. care about tattoos a lot, you know. Yeah, because I think a lot of people kind of, I see this all over the internet, people talk about like, gatekeeping and stuff like that and you know being like oh you know the tattoo industry's got so many like doors and stuff like that but I think when people kind of hear it from the perspective of you do need to learn you do need to understand and have that respect it's not as much as it is oh you can't do this because it's more of like just like you've got training and uni for any other profession you do need to have some sort of understanding and it does give you an edge to the people who just start tattooing their friends with Amazon kits and then eventually get licensed. It kind of, that respect definitely kind of shines through, at least with like the artists that I've been to, including you, where it's like you've got this understanding of the background, which is so important. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, I, I'm not in denial about the fact that like I am a very young tattooer and like I am Mm. still very much in the beginning of my journey um and like you know it's probably not even I don't know like I can only talk about it from my perspective but I always know that there's going to be like more elders around me who have you know a more refined or different view on this but I do remember that being like I don't know. It just really felt important to me to do it the right way because I, like you said, there's people every day, you know, who are just scratches who are, you know, making tats and kind of pleasing their friends and then pissing off some of their friends, you know, like, and just kind of doing it by, you know, by process of elimination. Um, And I totally get that. And yes, absolutely. In the past, tattooing has been really gatekeepy and like, you know, 
sexist and homophobic and all of that shit and racist and all of that. I'm not denying a past in which that was the case, but I also do believe that oh, for sure. it's, yeah. it, it's something to be respected and there are a lot of people that kind of misunderstand uh, a need for initiation as gatekeeping and then being excluded, which is yeah. like, you know, I understand how people get that entangled, but also I'm like, dude, just because like, I don't know, you still have to fucking work for it no matter who you are. And like, yeah, yeah I don't know. And it's also <laughs> like, you've got to understand how the body moves and how different bodies move and how skin stretches. It's not just drawing a picture on a flat piece of paper. It's like, you know, sun damage, skin damage, textures, you know, there's so many different things that play into it that you've just got to watch people and practice for an extended period of time to kind of have that understanding ingrained into your brain. Well, totally. And like, you know, there's so much that you, like when you are first starting, when I was very much first starting before I had even, you know, started my apprenticeship, like you don't even know what you don't know you know Mm. like you don't even know how to act when somebody goes into a state of shock and starts to faint like Mm. if you haven't seen that happen to other tattooers and watch them deal with it it's very difficult like you can probably figure it out but it's you know it's not the kind of situation where you want to fuck around you want to have somebody there who is fully aware and knows what to do in the state Mm. of an emergency Um, you know, you want to know what overworking the skin looks like because you want somebody to be like, Hey, that was overworked, (laughs) you know, um, you want, I don't know, working in shops and working in community I have found has been the most important thing for, you know, bettering my tattooing and yeah. 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 And, um, kind of, obviously you've mentioned it, but what, steps or how did you then go from working shop front and being at the desk to getting into the apprenticeship um well look there are a lot of um you know I just kind of put myself full throttle into doing the counter job you know Mm. um which kind of it helped and it also hurt my career progression in a couple of ways um the only way that it hurt it is that nobody wants to give an apprenticeship to the person who's a good counter person, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you've um, got someone good for this role. We don't want to. Exactly, yeah. exactly. A good counter person is hard to find. And, um, you know, I definitely felt like very much encouraged to stay in that role. And that's cool. I was making, you know, I was making people money and I was, you know, thriving in the shop, you know, I was still having a good time. But I, you know, I, I basically just, like I said, did a lot of research, did a lot of drawing um, and just waited until I felt like it was appropriate to tell one person at a time in the shop and in my life that I was focused on making this a career and, and getting an apprenticeship. And yeah. although I loved the shop that I was at, um, Tom, the same person who I mentioned earlier, who got me the job, when I told him that I wanted to tattoo, um, he was, I really am grateful for this, even though at the time it felt a bit jarring. Um, I, he was very clear with me that the kind of apprenticeship that I, as a person needed was probably not going to be able 
to be offered to me at the place that I was at. Yeah. Um, and that was really good advice and he was totally right. Um, and so I just started getting tattooed by people that I felt were, you know, doing, channeling a style that I thought was amazing and visionary. Um, and yeah, it was kind of like a weird, uh, meeting of the fates, I guess. I went to Woodford Folk Festival, which I go to every year. I love it. Mm. It's the best festival ever. Um, and just this year, it, it just happened to have, you know, this particular year that I went, it happened to have a drawing workshop, uh, which was focused on Tattoo Flash, um, as led by uh, Lily Collard and uh, Swasti uh, Gungama is her name on Instagram. And they were, yeah, doing a drawing workshop at Woodford. And I went to it with my partner and just like met Lily and I was like holy shit you are the coolest fucking person ever (laughs) like Mm. and your art is insane and your tattoos are beautiful um and I remember getting along with her really well there and you know she happened to know my boss at the shop that I was at in Sydney weirdly and um you know that kind of gave me a little bit of credibility I think because you know he was kind of uh, an old school pillar of the community and Mm. Um, yeah. And so I started flying up and getting tattooed and every time I got tattooed, I would bring my portfolio of drawings and I wouldn't ask her for anything other than critique. And I remember like being, I can't remember who told me uh, like to do that, but some tattooer told me to do that. Like, don't ask for anything but critique. And, um, yeah, she would be like, this is awesome. This is not so awesome. You could change this and make it like that. And then I would say, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then I take it back to Sydney, redraw it, send it back to her. Um, and we kind of had this little sort of pen pal situation going on where she was giving me little tips and I was flying up and getting tattooed. And um, we just got along like a house on fire. And um, she called me one day and said, hey, man, I'm opening up a shop in West End. Um do you want to come move up to Brisbane? Um, You can manage the shop, help me set it up, and then we'll train your replacement and you can transition into being an apprentice. Um, And so, yeah, I did that. Um, We opened the shop in West End and, uh, yeah, it was kind of a big operation and I did my first tattoos there. Um. And yeah, transitioned out of the counter role into an apprenticeship. And it was definitely a messy um, transition through no fault of, um, I don't know, it was just, it was just one of those situations. It was in 2020, you know, shit was closing and opening up every fucking few months and everything was just a little bit chaotic for everyone, I think. Mm. Um, And yeah, by the end of that year, we um, just decided to go and do a much smaller operation, which is Chalice Tattoo Company, which is where I'm at now. Um, and yeah, I've been tattooing there full time for a few years now. Um, and and it's really great because I am I still have those relationships from my first shop in Sydney, and you know I do go back and guest down there, which is um, always feels really nice. It feels like a, a kind of a, full circle moment to come back and be like fuck yeah now I'm doing the tats you know <laughs> yeah and, um, um so you tell us move to Paddington in 2020 
Uh, no, so well, it was like basically. So we left the the shop in West End. It's still going. Um, and we created Chalice at the beginning oh, of twenty twenty one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah, we had a couple of weeks off and then just like opened up the new space and okay. um, the space that we're in now used to be a tattoo shop called uh, Oak and Iron, um, which was a very good tattoo shop. Um, so we were blessed that that property was just available and. Yeah, it's it's really been a really kind of yeah, and it's been nice being in Paddington. I like this side of town. Yeah. You know? and, um, that was more akin to a private studio and a little bit more intimate, intimate, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, kind of from that, so were you traveling sort of back and forward from um, you know, Brisbane to Sydney for most of 2021, or how did that kind of look like with your time being divided? Uh, it was more like I just kind of had like a couple of guest spots. So I think I went down mm. for three weeks in total across the year. So, but it was like spread out. So I think I went down once in March and once in May and once in, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, I went down a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, with, cause I know obviously you lived or do still live in a van. How does that um, how did you get into van lifing? Um, so van lifing uh, was definitely synonymous with like me getting into tattooing mainly because like, you know, I loved working the counter, but it's not really like the most big money job mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a hospitality gig. Um, and yeah, man, I was just living in Sydney and I had been so fucking broke and just like living in shitty share houses and I came across the idea of van life on fucking YouTube like everyone else, mm, you know, mm. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, there was just something inside me that went, yes, that, like, what yeah. do we need to do to get that? And so, um, yeah, I moved into my first van, I think it was 2017, 2018, like that kind of summer. Mm. Um, and then we were in that van for a year and then I eventually got the van that I have now, which is Foxy Brown. Um, and yeah, I've been in her, uh, yeah, since then we've only recently, um, just kind of got a house, uh, up, uh, in the mountains out of Brisbane. Um, just because like during the floods our the roof is like not really, We've got yeah. like a big rust seam, so we've got to do some repairs and stuff. So we're yeah. kind of doing some temporary housing at the moment. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm staying in the van myself for in the next few days and I fucking love it. It's the best. Yeah. Um, and it allows you to kind of like, you know, if you drive into Brisbane, you can stay in the van overnight rather than driving all the way back home. Oh, totally. It makes gigs way easier. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. You just kind of go, oh, no need an Uber. I have my house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereabouts in the mountains are you? Are you in Mount Tambourine or? I know like north. So like um, I'm more like Mount Nebo, Mount Glorious kind of area. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Those are lovely places to be. Are you just in a rental place or are you staying with? Uh, Yeah. It's kind of like a a very chill rental um, swap situation. Um. It's a real tight community up there. Oh, lovely. Um, And, yeah, we happened to spend our lockdown up there because we couldn't really park anywhere else and we ended up – that's where Lily lives and, yeah, we Mm, we ended up staying mm, up there too. like a community in that setting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And with the van lifing, was there any, like, 
particular challenges, you know, being in urban areas versus like being able to go out into sort of, you know, more like nature, mountains kind of, was that something where you were in urban areas a lot or did you kind of stay out into like, you know, natural, um, like national parks and stuff like that? Um, I've definitely done a bit of both. Um, when I was living in Sydney and working at the shop, it was very much like I was staying in a city. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, it's doable. It's possible. There are places, little pockets of safety in all cities, you know, um, mm. and they generally tend to be around kind of park areas um, yeah. and, and, and more specifically park areas where you know that there's a really dense community. Um, so like yeah. around the inner West in Sydney, like I never really felt unsafe. And if I did, like, that's the beauty of being in a van, man, you just fucking leave. Like, yeah, no, you just, you know, you can get up and go somewhere else kind of thing. Yeah, um, and I've always kind of operated by the van life law that is, like, if you feel unsafe in a spot, no matter whether it's in the bush or in the city, just move because mm. you won't ever start to feel safe, <laughs> you know? And yeah, it's not worth gone, you're, yeah, you're it's gonna... not worth waking up every 15 minutes and, you know, stressing out all night for it. If mm. there's something in your gut that says no, it's a no. Yeah, and are you interested in getting back into living in the van full-time or is it more something that you'll do for travel and kind of things like that? Uh, it's hard to say. I think if it were just up to me, I would absolutely be in the van all the time. But, you know, I've, I've got a, a husband and, you know, a life and he definitely benefits from living in a house and having a little mm. bit more stability. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I never say never that I won't be back in the van full time again. Cause like it's, it will probably happen at some point, but I think for now, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm actually learning to slow down a little bit more and, and feel okay and feel safe in like, you know, in a stationary position. <laughs> yeah. Cause I like to move for around sure. a bit, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, you've got the opportunity to leave whenever, but it's also good to have space in like a kind of, place where you can return to as well yeah yeah and um you've mentioned your partner and I kind of you know when I first started getting tattooed by you I did like a little bit of an Instagram stalk and I noticed that you had uh well what was titled was a hand fasting ceremony and yes it was that in place of like traditional marriage or is he also legally married as well um it was in place of traditional legal marriage so we are not currently technically legally married um but we have been de facto partners for a very long time and mm. um yeah we we just had this big stupid pagan hullabaloo at at Woodford Folk Festival actually oh, wow. which was pretty amazing we got all of our family to come to the festival and stuff it was it was incredible you know yeah um, and um was are you like a practicing pagan or is it just something that you kind of incorporate into your life kind of occasionally oh I'm I would definitely say that I um you know practice a lot of uh sort of folk traditions folk magic uh mm. witchcraft stuff that's definitely been a part of my life for most of my life and I don't think yeah. it's going to go away anytime soon so it felt like you know a more true union for Alex and I because both of us are kind of you know that way inclined 
mm. it felt more legitimate actually to have a hand fasting ceremony than it did to do kind of the traditional wedding thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, no, no shade on if you want to do it that way, like no, no judgment. Sure. It's just yeah. more like, you know, man, we're just fucking witchy hippies. And that was just totally made sense for us, you know? Yeah. And something I also noticed recently was, um, through watching Game of Thrones actually is the wedding traditions that they use in the religion in the story, the faith of the seven is actually quite similar to hand fasting ceremonies. I think um, George R. Martin might've gotten a bit of influence from that because the way that they do unions is through quite literally like the binding of like a ribbon or whatever around the hands. And it's like, that's, that's the representation of marriage and union in that universe I thought that was kind of interesting because I had seen stuff about hand fasting and then I looked at that and I was like oh that's really interestingly connected Uh, totally totally and I'm you know I don't know the story super well but um Mm. I yeah like from most fantasy you know there's little nuggets of of truth and and tradition Mm. everywhere um and I think also like for us like I've never really been a huge like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get married one day kind of person. And Mm. for me, you know, the tradition of hand fasting is that you have a revision of your relationship each year um, where you, you know, decide whether or not you want to continue to be bound or if you would like to separate and, you know, go your separate ways. And it's been years and we haven't separated yet. But having that tradition of being like, okay, this is the time that we sit down and talk about like what's working, what could be better. Yeah. Um, let's is make that... this an open conversation rather mm. than like a sentence or like a contract of sorts, you know? For sure. And is that something that's within the tradition of hand fasting, like historically? Is yes, yes. As well. Yes, I believe oh, so. That's really cool. That's like very emotionally intelligent in a sense it's like here's a union we need to it's kind of like a practice of renewing vows but it's not done oh once you hit 20 years you renew vows and you have a party it's more like focusing on the relationship and like almost making sure you're you're bound or you're not or whatever is kind of tied correctly and there's nothing that's damaging it in any way shape or form is like a metaphor and also I think you know giving people the opportunity to review their consent you know if they feel Mm, you know, sure. if it's still working sure. for all parties, you know, it can continue. And if not, if that, then it doesn't, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I really like that kind of concept. That's really interesting. And um, kind of circling back to tattooing, where do you kind of see yourself now versus like when you first started and what is your kind of ethos around your personal, your work as, you know, an individual and how you see your work? kind of growing and everything uh well there's kind of two sides to that I guess there's the Mm. you know the professional tattooer side and then there's kind of like the artist side Mm. um I feel like in both areas in the last you know few years just even since being in tattoo shops like um I've grown a lot and like Mm changed a lot and I feel like every the thing that kind of keeps coming up is just like coming back to a place of like you know nothing and you may be here for 10 years and you still Mm. might know nothing you know (laughs) like you're always kind of learning 
and you always got to be I guess sort of humble to the process because yeah I don't know it's one of those weird things where like every time you think that you're you know you fucking catch yourself in the mirror and you're like this is pretty cool I'm fucking doing it and then Mm. you know you just get fucking humbled like nothing else like immediately after you know it's it's unrelenting and very um I don't know, a a process that I feel very lucky to be part of and I just hope that I, I hope that I can do, you know, what I need to to appropriately Mm. respect and um, honour the, you know, the role that I've been given because, well, that that I've earned, I guess, um, because it does feel like a gift. It does feel like, holy shit, what an honour to be adorning people with something that I have previously felt so much comfort in, you know, so much Mm. comfort in getting tattooed. And um, I, yeah, I just, I just always want to see it as like, fuck yeah, what an honor. Um, Mm. And then I guess artistically, I don't know, I definitely have changed a lot over the last like few years. I feel like, you know, I do have such a respect for trad tattooing um, and, like, American traditional specifically. Um, And I've watched as my style kind of, like, those principles have kind of seeped into my pores a little bit, you know, bold lines, bright colours, readable design. Uh, And I feel like I'm also enjoying pushing the edges of that and seeing how psychedelic and how weird I can get with it and while still making it, you know, a readable tattoo that's going to look good when someone's 80, you know. Yeah, so it's more like conceptually diverse, artistically simplistic and in line with those kind of principles in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I definitely respect like a lot of neo-traditional stuff and illustrative styles and like a lot of people that I work with now at Chalice, that is the vibe, you know, and I fucking love Mm. working with them. Um, and I love seeing that vision come forth. Um, and who knows what the future will hold, but where I'm at right now, I kind of feel like, I don't know, it's, it's all about, getting yeah like you said you know the traditional principles and making it more artistically interesting I guess Mm, um and yeah psychedelic imagery is something that I have always been excited about and you know Mm. I'll just never stop drawing you know big titty mushroom babes you know it's just what what I like doing man I'm just gonna keep doing it (laughs) no for sure and it's it gives something interesting especially and I mean like I know from my perspective because my mum's an artist and she's been doing like self-employed in the art industry for like most of her professional life so it's really interesting because you do get humbled every every corner that you take it's not in a traditional career trajectory where once you gain the experience and once you work your way up the ladder, you know, you keep climbing. It's like you'll have really, really good months and you'll have really, really, you know, bad periods of time and it's all over the place. And no matter how, you know, good you get, there's still that kind of like, you know, person waiting around the corner to slap you in the face and send you in a completely (laughs) other direction. Yeah. It it rings true to it's like artists get really famous and super respected once they die because then it's like, once you die, there's no one there to like shake stuff up and then it's just the work 
and that's all that gets looked at. And I think that that's like so true in the creative industry. It's like you can't skyrocket out and crash and burn anymore that you can in like once you're, you know, living and doing it, if that makes sense. Well, totally. And like, you know, I, in my research travels, there's been a couple of things that have like really stuck with me. And one was like Freddie Corbin, who is, you know, a granddaddy of, you know, amazing tattooing. Um, He said, I I think he said, (laughs) um, and I'm definitely paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of, don't believe your clients when they tell you that you're amazing because they don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And it's this whole thing of like, I think it's really cool to be a tattooer nowadays. And like, there's a lot of ego Olympics going on and Mm. good for the people that that works for. But if you're, if it makes you complacent in your art practice, then it's not really worth giving any attention to. And I, I think, you know, you can only measure your art by, you know, you're the last tattoo you did, I, I feel, you know, mm, and it's always yeah. about like make it better than that one and yeah. you'll be kind of on the path. Like you'll be kind of doing the bare minimum in my mind of like what tattooing requires of you because, you know, it does it does require a lot and, yeah, you know. For sure. And I think as well it's kind of like a lot of the time people see it as, oh, you've done this really cool thing. So now you're good. But when it comes to art, it's like you've got to keep selling stuff after you sell that really cool thing or else you're going to run out of money. And it's got to be better (laughs) than that really cool thing or else people aren't going to pay for it because they want that really cool thing that you're known for. And I think it's that's why it's also so different from any other industry. The creative industry is like you've made this really cool thing and I feel like well, in music, like, you can kind of get away with it if you, like, struck a gold mine like Mariah Carey and you made this really cool thing that people exclusively listen to and purchase, you know, in a it's in a month period and then stop doing and then do it again every single year as, like, a routine, like, with, you know, all I want for Christmas. You know, outside of, like, freak moments like that, you've got to keep doing really cool things that are better than the previous one or people, you know, lose interest and they move off course and they... Well, yeah, yeah. and it's also not like fine art where, you know, you work on this painting for months and months and months and mm. then, you know, you sell for some big lump sum. Like tattooing yeah. is is very uh, grassroots in that it's not fine art, yeah. it's a folk art, it's a folk tradition mm. and, like, that's great you did a nice tattoo it just walked out of the door and you're never going to see it again. And all you yeah. have is this crappy photo that you like, you know, didn't take very well, but mm. you know, you kind of just hope that that tattoo goes out into the world and has a good life. And you yeah. know, and you just like, sit down and wait for the next one, you know? Yeah. And it's also like, you know, it's like so much is in the, the canvas's hands in the sense of like, are they going to take care of it? Are they going to do the aftercare properly? Are they going to let it get sun damage? Because that can all affect, like, you know, if you walk out and they don't do the aftercare properly and then it gets festy and then they go out in the sun and it gets sun damage, you know, in five years' time, that tattoo is going to look very different to what you originally imagined it to look. And then people go, oh, yeah, this is so-and-so's work. Then it's like, oh, you know, that kind of affects it in a lot of ways because it's so much up to the person who has the tattoo on how they kind of care for and treat it in a sense well totally it's also like you know what happens to the tattoo once it leaves the shop is kind of you know you do have to disengage from it a little mm. bit like mm. obviously if people are having aftercare issues like 
I'm very clear with them. I'm like, here is my Instagram. Message me if you're having a problem. Please yeah. let me help you if you're not sure what's going on. Mm. Um, here are the things that I suggest to best care yeah. for your tattoos, you know. Um, but then, you know, when it comes to your work being out in the world and having people, you know, like put you up against that tattoo that you did, um, you know, I, I personally have had to really consciously uncouple myself from what people think of my tattoos after they leave. I mean, unless there's like a genuine concern for like health, Mm. safety, quality, you know, stuff like that. I, I'm always open to hearing feedback and I, you know, would only hope that I could just use it to make myself better. But when it comes to like, you know, oh, like matters of design, like sometimes people want to over art direct their tattoo and sometimes you know you just got to give the person what they want and yes they're going to tell people that you did it and yes they're gonna you know like you can only do so much to try and Mm. educate and explain why maybe some things might not be a good idea or why some things aesthetically look more pleasing Mm. um but at the end of the day it's not my tattoo you know what I mean yeah I don't have to wear it forever and you know I want people to be I'm always walking that tightrope of I want you to be happy and also it is my job to educate you about X, Y, and Z, you know, whether it be coloured lines or, you know, something like that. Like it's still my job to be like, I don't think that's the best idea. I'll still Mm, do it mm. because, you know, I'll take your money and I'll do a good job of it. Um, But, you know. Like, yeah, and that's, it's always a dance. It's always a... Mm, for sure. And I think that's why it's so important that people, like, listen to their tattoo artists. Because when they say, don't put it there because it's not going to look good in five years, I feel like I don't understand how people can blindly ignore the person that's been working with skins and bodies for years and years and knows exactly what happens to said skin and said body over time. And I just... it's dumbfounded to me how people go no I definitely want it this size right here and then they're like oh it looks awful now and it's like well you did get a palm size tattoo with fine detail so you know it's kind of like there's you know there's only so much that an artist can do really really well because once the body starts to attack the ink and that kind of stuff then it's it's up to how your body responds to the ink that deals with the rest of it and I think it's just baffling that people like like no I want this picture right here and it's like your artist is suggesting a slight alteration for a reason it's not because they want it to look a certain way it's because they want it to look good for as long as humanly possible kind of thing sure sure and like look there's definitely gray areas where I'm like okay it has to be there specifically because you're getting it to commemorate Mm -hmm. the one that's exactly there on your granddad you know from 40 years ago okay I get it Like, there are definitely, um, you know, exceptions to every rule that I make. Um, But I guess also sometimes it's like, uh, you know, people who want to overly control the process or people who don't give you anything, like, everyone just gets the tattoo that they deserve. And I know that that sounds like a fucking pretty uh, brutal and gnarly way to put it. But it's just like, if you want to over direct your art tattoo, like, sorry, if you want to over art direct your tattoo and do something that I suggest against, that's on you. I'm still going to do it for for you unless it's like completely fucked. Like if you're 18 years old and you want to get like a fucking face tattoo, I'm probably not going to be your guy. Yeah. Um, 
you know, uh, but that's, uh, to me, that's in the safety, you know, category of like, I'll mm. pretty much only say no to things if I feel like it's going to endanger or, um, you know, hurt mm. you in some way, you know? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, kind of going on from that um, into more of like an interesting kind of like question answer period. What for you are like tattoos that are like blacklisted that you just like don't endorse doing or that you don't want to do and things like that? Uh, Look, I mean, personally, I feel like uh, you know, insides of the fingers, insides of the mouth, um, you know, sort of bottom of the feet, those kind of mm. tattoos. I just, look, I will maybe sometimes do the inside of your finger, but to be honest, like, I just think it's a waste of time and I think mm. they feel like shit and yeah. it's just, I, I feel like for you, like you as the client, I would be like, look, dude, spend your fucking money on a pair of like nice shoes if you want to like waste money on something you know what I mean Mm, like mm. this is going to be a waste of your money for me to do this I also don't want to do this (laughs) and you're going to fucking come back in three weeks when it's fallen out (laughs) yeah what was that sorry oh no I just said it's like you also don't really necessarily want to have someone's like foot in your face for like two hours (laughs) Only for, like, yeah. no one to ever see the tattoo because 90% of the time the person does literally wear shoes or walk on their feet. So, you know, it kind of, like, defeats the purpose of putting anything there. I mean, like, obviously people have stuff, but it's also, like, you are spending $200 to get something in your foot that you'll only see when you intentionally show people kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's going to fall out, it's going to look like shit, and then you're going to go mm. around town being like, oh, yeah, Psychic Mama did this for me. You know, it's like I would just rather not, like, for things no, like for that sure. because I know mm. 100% of the time that it's going to heal like shit. So, yeah. you know, stuff like that. I'm also not a huge fan of, like, um, super crazy colour realism. Um, mm. Mm. A, I, if you want to get colour realism, go to somebody who that's their thing. Yeah, um, for sure. And fucking go for your life. And also, if you're expecting to stay out of the sun for the rest of your life mm, um, mm. and, you know, really have to be really kind of um, conscious about how you care for your tattoos, then sure. colour realism may be for you, but it's not not something that I'm, you know, super yeah. into. Uh, there are some people who do it, like, um, Alex Bock, who I go, fuck yeah, that's it. You're the one. You've still got like the basic elements of what you need to make a tattoo in this. Yeah. Um, but then there are some people that I'm just like, you know, there are some more new school, uh, younger tattooers who are just doing everything, you know, with colored lines and doing huge mm. pink and brown faces and stuff like that, that I just go, okay, well, we'll see it in 10 years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And it's also, like, another thing is people will be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get a full-colour portrait. And I'm like, oh, you sure? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, if I regret it, I'll just laser it off. And I'm like, you know, coloured ink doesn't, like, laser well. And yeah, like, and I mean, what? if you want to, if like... you want to, yeah. Also, if you just want to do a portrait tattoo that's realistic, go for black and grey. Like, realism mm. is, can be really gorgeous and really amazing mm. and fuck man I could not even begin to approach doing a tattoo like that like I have so much mad respect for like 
proper realism artists. I think it's fucking wild what they can do, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, newer technologies that we have available now. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I guess I just, for me, I'm just like, dude, I, that's not my thing. I don't know how to do yeah. it. Go see someone else about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's like people don't really understand the, you know, like kind of going on to laser a bit. Like people are like, oh, if you regret tattoos, you can just get them lasered off. And it's like if you've got black work, that is a possibility depending on how deep it went. But if you've got any sort of like heavy red ink, you're not getting a laser off because that's not how laser removal functions. Like it needs to have dark pigments to be effective and red and lasers just don't mix well and you see people's faces go like oh really and it's like yeah it's why you can only get laser hair removal if you've got dark hair it doesn't work on blonde hair like it won't remove the hair follicle because the laser can't see it and it won't like destroy it in any way so it's you know people I feel like a lot of the time like we have got this modern technology and laser tattoo removal does work a lot better than it did I don't know 15 years ago or whatever but it's still not like it's not like a band aid that you can put over it. Like it's still permanent. well, yes, and that's the thing is like I don't know like heaps about laser. I haven't mm. had it myself. I you know we don't have a laser technician at this shop or mm. um you know at other shops that I've worked at. But I think like for me, it's like if you're going into the in, like into the tattoo process with the intention of I have hail mary and I can get it lasered off someday maybe like tattoos are not for you because Mm, mm. the point of them is that they're there forever. Yeah. And definitely like I've gotten some dumb tattoos that like I've totally had covered up or reworked. Mm. Um, So I understand that like, okay, you make mistakes sometimes and it's good that we have cover-ups and laser in those instances. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me, I'm just always like, oh, I think you're missing the point of like what, what it is to get a tattoo because what it is to get a tattoo is to make a choice and then deal with that choice for the rest of your life. You know, then it comes down to the fact that like, it's all about you and what you choose to do with your body. And if the way that you see it is like, ah, don't worry about it. I'll be able to fix it later. If that's kind of like your vibe for going through life, then that's your vibe. I can't fucking change you. Like do your thing. But for me personally, it's like, no, man, I'm only going to get a tattoo if I really am like, yeah, sick, that's a choice. Like, and Mm. if I don't like it, then I need to deal with that choice, you know? Yeah. I think I was just going on about, I'm not sure what point you dropped out, but I think I was just going on about, like, for me, how I focus on, um, like, making sure that the tattoos I do get are, like, visually good images so that you know in 30 years might I hate the imagery I've got at least the piece is you know a decently done well done image that looks good and that's just kind of like how I how I kind of view it as well yeah uh, keeping the quality of the tattoo is Mm. at the utmost importance even if the imagery is something that you know might change for you over time I totally Mm. yeah respect and agree For sure. And kind of what I wanted to kind of like round out the interview of the episode with was for you, what are your um, like views on, I suppose, like your advice on like getting tattooed and looking for an artist and stuff like that, at least from your perspective? 
Sure. Um, look, I mean, the I'm probably just going to say stuff that people have heard before. Um, mm, yeah, but, no, you sure. know, it's still tried and true. You know, go to a shop, go into the shop. Like, mm. don't just look at their Instagram. You can go into the shop and just check it out. Look at some books. Um, I mean, you know, unless it's a private studio, you should be able to do that. Yeah. Um, do your research, look at someone's portfolio and look at the tattoos that they were doing a year ago as well as the mm. tattoos that they're doing now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look at how dense their portfolio is, not just, okay, there's six good tattoos on this page. Like, you know, look at how long they've been doing it. Do your research, ask questions. Mm. Um, when it comes to the design process, you know, like giving some information is really helpful. Um, giving information down to the millimeter is maybe a little bit of overkill. You don't, you don't need yeah. to do that. And people can be flexible with you. Um, you know, just remember that it's a collaboration and maybe you don't know everything there is to know about, you know, how tattoos heal, you know, sizing, yeah. things like that. Um, and just be prepared to adjust your expectations to what the confines of the medium are, because, you know, I totally get it when people have been thinking about getting a tattoo for like four years or something and they're like, want it just so, and they want it to be just this size and they want it really mm. whatever. Um, you know, it, it, I, I don't want to disappoint you. And also I don't want to give you a tattoo that I know is going to heal like shit. So, yeah, you know, sure. just be prepared that you might need to make some compromises um, and be flexible and, and just know that, you know, if, if the tattooer is, in my opinion, a worthy, good tattooer, um, mm. you know, they're not going to be angry at you for wanting to move your stencil. They're not going to be angry at you for, you know, wanting to change a little thing of your design on the day. Yeah. Like that That's our no, job. Sure. That's what we're here for. And, yeah. you know, just try and remember that we're all people and we're all trying to, mm. we're all focused on the goal, which is to give you a nice tattoo, you know, yeah. and, um, yeah, and then, on, you know, recommendations on top of that are more kind of general stuff. Like, don't be a dickhead. Don't go and get shit-faced before mm. you get tattooed, yeah. um, including the night before, you know. Um, try and be hydrated. Try and be moisturised. Try and be exfoliated in the area that you want to get tattooed. Mm. Don't rock up trying to get a rib tattoo wearing a fucking white, you know, tube dress. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, prepare yourself for what's coming. And mm. I totally get it. Sometimes you just do an a walk in and, you know, you, you've got what you got, but try your best to, you know, make things easy for your artist and also for yourself. Like, no one wants to be shivering in a fucking, you know, <laughs> shivering because they had to take all their clothes off to get a rib tattoo. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I feel like another thing is I've noticed like a lot of people, at least like around, me and like you know people are like oh you know if you if you have like a little bit to drink or if you're like stoned that pain hurts a lot less and it's like you put your artist in such a compromised position if you do that and you don't tell them because it just it opens up so many legal issues to the artist and it's such like a you know people don't think about it. it's like oh it, it helps my pain or whatever but it's like you are making your artist liable for you know, violating their, like, um, you know, your license and everything like that. And it just, like, it annoys me so much when people say, oh, just do it drunk because it's, like, not only are you going to make the worst decision ever, but it's also, <laughs> like, 
you are putting if you don't disclose that and it's not visible you put your artists at such risk as well and I think that's really like a gross way to go about getting tattooed because it's just like so many bad decisions in one and it affects so many people other than yourself and look I mean you know it's up to every tattooer what they want to participate in and I've Mm. definitely been in situations where you know like working at busy street shops in particular there are always people who are going out and getting pissed and want to like get a tattoo and it's a cool idea and for me it's like okay if you've had a beer and you want to get a tattoo Mm. like flash tattoo off the wall and you're coherent and you can fill out the consent form that says that Mm. you have not that you are not under the influence then you know I'll do a tattoo for you if you're polite and still cognizant and still you know pretty aware of yourself yeah but if you look like you just fucking got spat out of a bong hovel and <laughs> you can't even fill out the consent form without needing For help sure. from a counterhand, then, you know, like maybe come back in a couple of days, bro. I'll still do your tattoo. But, yeah. um, you know, you, you've got to – every tattooer has the right to refuse to do a tattoo, you know? For sure, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, like, there are definitely going to be – tattoos that each tattooer will be like I'm not doing that imagery on certain people as well I'd assume oh completely like you know when people ask me to do you know anything that's racist or homophobic or sexist or anything like that get Mm. fucked get out of my like you know get out of my way I don't I don't fuck with that stuff um Mm. but that's you know someone else might do it for you and whatever (laughs) <laughs> like it's yeah. not my business um yeah you just kind of go oh that someone someone did that tattoo on that person and yeah you know you see it and you're like oh okay that, if that you really want that ss eagle on the back of your head i'm sure someone will do it for you but it's not going to be me <laughs> yeah no that's that's definitely a really interesting interesting choice that people do make to kind of support <laughs> that but yeah well thank you so much for doing this i'll let you know when everything's all like up and running I've just got to like edit and clip together audio and actually like properly do like podcasting (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, that's cool that's cool but yeah thank thank you so so much for having me no problem it's been an honor and hopefully when I have more money I'll be coming into the shop as well fuck yeah look forward to it mate thank you so much for thinking of me and I hope you have a wonderful day you too see ya bye thank you so much for listening Just a reminder, you can find Taylor on Instagram at PsychicMamaTattoos. And if you have time, please go check out the podcast Instagram. It is at shit.chats underscore. And I'll be posting updates about episodes and a bit of Taylor's work and some of the photos of tattoos that she has done for me as well. So thank you so much for listening and I hope everyone has a lovely day. Bye. This podcast has been recorded on the unceded lands of the Turrbal and Yagara people of the Yagara Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging.